Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Sunday, January 21st, 225 p.m. My name is Josh Malnex. On today's pod, this weekend's Big 12 upsets, Duke falls at home to Pitt and Ohio State takes down Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Josh, it was a tough weekend to be a top 10 team in the Big 12. Kansas falls to West Virginia. Baylor falls to Texas. Let's start with Jayhawks. 91-85, the final score. And uh, putting up 85 for the Jayhawks and, and losing to West Virginia is a, is a tough way to, to find a, a loss in, in that column. This did not necessarily follow the trend of the other ones. Right. Which I guess is a positive. Yeah, you gave up 91 points. I mean, Johnny Furphy and Nick Timberlake had 25. We've been waiting for this game all year. Right. <laughs> and you lost to West Virginia, who is the second worst team in the Big 12, it looks like. Uh, yeah, so I went to check defensive Kempom metrics because it always feels like Kansas is top five. Mm-hmm. It's de- they're down to 26th. And we've mentioned this a couple times before that sometimes you just watch them. And I, considering how good of a defensive trio Dewan Harris, Kevin McCall, and KJ Adams are, it just feels like they should be able to guard people better. And certainly that did not happen in this game. And Raekwon Battle had 23 and 9. And all eight guys who played meaningful minutes for West Virginia stuffed the stat sheet in some way. Mm-hmm. They The bench was fantastic. It wasn't like it was a one-man show here for West Virginia. Everybody had a good day, and that is not a good sign, obviously, if you were the Jayhawks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add there. I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me here is, once again, Dewan Harris is a basically a zero in the offensive column. And with all due respect, if West Virginia's backcourt is going to combine for upwards of 40 and you're going to score four points, I'm not totally sure what the point is and and i know it's not that simple but this happens this happens too often and and you know the other guys were were fine and like you said furphy and timberlake combining for 25 you should beat anybody in the country when you get that kind of performance from those two guys because we've been screaming about that all year about kansas having four really dependable guys not saying that Dewan Harris is dependable I just think he's flawed um and when you got more than enough from the guys we've been asking to get something from you probably shouldn't lose to 7 and 11 West Virginia 6 and 11 West Virginia now 7 and 11 West Virginia that's uh that's not exactly where you want to be last thing every single road game Kansas plays the rest of the season is against a team currently atop the Big 12 standings, that team being Kansas State, or a team that is currently ranked as of Sunday afternoon before this new AP poll comes out. They they had two easy road games. They lost them mm-hmm. both. It's that team. Yeah. yeah. So now you're going to Hilton Coliseum, 
and I don't remember all of them. Off. Oh, I do think I still do. I I can pull it up quickly. I mean, it's the way that they're playing on the road right now. Yeah, here we go. Here are your road games: Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Houston. Sure. Now they're going to win a lot of games at Fall Gallon. They'll probably win a couple of those. But this could easily end up deciding or at least taking them out of the Big 12 title race, that they did not get the two road wins you should have had against West Virginia and UCF. That was the last thing I want to throw out there. Texas, 75, number nine, Baylor, 73. Texas put up 42 in the first half, felt like they couldn't miss, mostly because they actually couldn't miss, and were only <laughs> up by one, and you thought, there's no way that Texas is going to win this game after that performance in the first half and they're only up one, they win the second half by the exact same margin. They win it by one. They win 75 to 73. Tyrese Hunter has 21. Dylan DeSue has 19. Max Asmus has 15 to kind of spearhead the, the offensive attack there. Caden uh, Shedrick, 10 points off the bench in 16 minutes. And a Texas team that had inspired precisely nobody in the first two, two, three months of the season gets a, a very nice win against a top 10 team at Baylor. Yeah. Huge to get this thing back on track for Rodney Terry, huge to get a notable big 12 win. You mentioned the shooting. That was really, uh, Baylor also shot the lights out in the first half mm -hmm. and only gave up 75 points. So it wasn't like the defense was terrible from the bears either. The, the only other, I mean, this is a game that you lose sometimes in the Big 12 because despite Texas's struggles, it's still a very good basketball team that plays in a very, very good conference, you know. The one thing I do want to bring up from a Baylor standpoint, because I just brought it up with Kansas, that is two teams in a row that you easily could have had. And we're talking about the Big 12 very differently if Baylor wins those two games. Instead, they mm. lose it. Tyree Hunter, Tyrese Hunter goes down the floor, hits the layup to win it. They're still very much in the title race, obviously. But again, if they end up sharing, if somebody else ends up winning, if you're Scott Drew, you look at these two games and you wonder what, what could have been. Yeah, on the Texas side, they're now two and three after losing to West Virginia and UCF uh, in, in consecutive games. That was this win at home was a very important for there being any sort of dreams of a nice big 12 record it could have it could have snowballed really fast because you go on the road to oklahoma you go on the road to byu then you're back home for houston that's a losable game of course and then you're on the road at tcu so the next four games were three away games and a home game against the number one team at kempom so it could have you know two and three and even and of course if you lose the next four and you're two and seven it's not like that's any better but being two and three going into that that stretch of games instead of one and four feels feels very different for uh, Rodney Terry's Longhorns anything else from from the Big Twelve no let's just keep rolling Pitt eighty Duke seventy six the Blue Devils yes without Jeremy Roach without Mark Mitchell, but you would still think that you would be able to come away in Cameron Indoor Stadium with a win over the Pitt Panthers. That was not the case. Blake Henson, 24 on 8 of 10 shooting. 
from the field. Um, he was seven of seven from the three point line, sure which, is was. Just a, which is just a preposterous uh, stat line there. The rest of the team was three of 13, but Blake Henson brought his, his shooting hands to Cameron Endor. And that was the performance along with John Lowe, who had 17 uh, to that was enough. Put up 80 in Cameron Endor and leave with a win. It is worth mentioning that Duke won the other meeting between these teams, 75 to 53, all the way back on January 9th. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is what makes this stunning, is the dramatic turnaround here. Mm -hmm. I'm not freaking out about this. Yeah, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, very important. Changes everybody's roles. You're relying on the freshman way more now. That's part of this. The other part of this is the shot making from specifically Blake Henson, but also Jalen DeLoe, was unreal. Like you said, Hinton was 7-7 from three, and he didn't take easy ones. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of, well, we're not going to get a good shot, so I might as well just let it fly. There was a reason he went up and stood on the table in front of the cam and crazies after this game. It was one of the more, of course, he didn't score 40 or anything, but truly one of the more impressive individual performances from a shot-making standpoint I have seen in a long, long time. And anytime they needed an answer because Duke made a run, Duke made a play, one of those two guys came up with it. Low hit some free throws at the end. There's part of me that just wants to go, I don't know what you're supposed to do when guys are playing that well. They just mm-hmm. made every shot that they took it was incredible you look at the box score for duke and it's it's pretty clear where the drop-off was where you were like you were looking for one more guy to 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 be really productive i mean ryan young was was productive in his 26 minutes off the bench but in a very ryan young way he's typically not going to come in and score 12 for you but um you know, Filipowski, Proctor, Foster, and McCain, 20, 16, 11, and 19 points. And, you know, it, it it's probably a little elementary to say is as black and white as this, but if Jeremy Roach or Mark Mitchell plays, Duke probably wins the game. There's probably, like, the, the margin of error there is, is, is slim enough that that probably would have changed the outcome of this game. But outside of those four guys getting... Uh, especially in the scoring category, some some help was they just didn't get enough of it. And you you couple that with, like you said, kind of a a, a career type night for Blank Henson. Uh, you you end up with a loss. It was it was just a perfect storm. And of course, yeah. there are things to address. I just I'm not too worried if I'm John Shire. Is the ACC race over? Like already? Yes. Yes. Feel like it, right? Yes. Okay. Glad I mean, we cleared unless, that up. Unless Duke wins, beats North Carolina twice. That would be I, the I only. Yeah, and I don't see that happening. So yes. They play on February third. So I think if we, if if North Carolina gets to February third and then wins at home with only, I mean, they play Wake Forest, Florida State, and Georgia Tech in their next three games. Yeah. Two of those are on the road. So like maybe you fall somewhere in there maybe but if you get through duke and you've only lost once uh the first duke game you've only lost once it feels like there's it's going to be really hard to catch them 
We're getting, I was thinking about this this morning. We're getting to the point where three of the one seats are almost guaranteed mm. with, with UConn, Purdue, and North Carolina. How about that? If they can, obviously, if one of them falls apart, then that changes. But if they continue to do what they're doing and just play as expected, you're everybody else battling for one one seed because those three what's, teams are so far ahead of everybody else right now. What's the more fun? What's the more fun story? Purdue winning a national championship after losing as a 16 seed, or UNC winning a national championship <laughs> after missing the tournament after being the number one team in preseason the year before? Purdue. It's close. The answer is Purdue. 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 It's an inch, but it's not a dissimilar arc, though. Um, no, no. The fact that you have two very real possibilities there makes it very intriguing. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, last but not least, this afternoon, the first time since the middle of November, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes leave the building. Uh, the losers in a college basketball game, Ohio State 100, number 18, Ohio State 100. Iowa 92 in overtime, super fun game. Uh, just, you know, whether it's Cody McMahon, 33 and 12, career high for her, 12 of 23 from the field. She was absolutely spectacular. Got a bucket every time Ohio State needed one. Caitlin was 45, 7 and 3. <laughs> Say that one more time. 45, 7 and 3. That's a season high for Caitlin. 12 of 25 with 7 of 18 from the three point line, 14 of 16 from the stripe really fun college basketball game and ohio state their best player had an had an excellent game and there was plenty of supporting cast flanking her with you know all five starters were in double figures it was a really nice well-rounded performance for ohio state um gave iowa all they could handle and needed every bit of it to to beat the hawkeyes at home J.C. Selden was really good, too, as you Absolutely. Big-time WNBA prospect. Yeah. There really are two things here, and I know you're going to want to get to one of them. Somebody else need to make a play for Iowa. This was not a, you just make Caitlin Clark shoot the ball enough times to get her 30-plus points, and you might have a chance. Mm-hmm. This was a, she was doing everything you had missed threes anytime she would pass the ball hannah schulte got fouled a couple of times and didn't hit free throws it was jarring to watch just how reliant they were on her at the end of this game and the second thing just looking forward in terms of national championship aspirations they got to figure out this interior defense thing mm. because cody mcmahon was doing what ever she wanted to obviously very good player who was having the game of her life but there was no resistance whatsoever and the resistance that did exist was fouling and half the time she finished anyway and got a chance for a three-point play those are the two things i came away from a takeaway standpoint thinking about from this one yeah i don't have a ton to add there i don't have a ton to add there i wish you know, there's there's part of me that thinks like it's it's truly a testament to how good Caitlin Clark is that this team is the number two team in the country that they hadn't lost since the middle of November. And I know like it can't be easy to shoot once every seven minutes and be ready to rock when you end up with the ball in your hands on, you know, the possession once out of every five, every six that it's not Caitlin that ends up 
taking the shot. And like, I- I'm sure that's difficult, but there were, there were chances down the stretch, right? whether it was at the, the free throw line or there were a couple of really, really good yep. looks that Iowa got from the three point line. They could have won this game in regulation and didn't get, didn't get any of them. And I mean, that's okay. Obviously they get them sometimes because they wouldn't be 18 and two if they didn't. But on this particular day, it was, man, it feels like they're getting absolutely nothing on the offensive end from anybody other than Caitlin. And a lot of times that's fine. A lot of times that's not an issue, but even on this night where Caitlin had more points than she's had in any game all season, it felt like Iowa just, needed one like someone to make one more shot and it it didn't happen on this particular day and the other part of that was a lot of the times ohio state defensively was at least sort of trying to take everybody else away there were not a lot of double teams and aggressive defensive approaches being taken here for the most part Mm -hmm. but every once in a while when there was help defense when caitlin clark didn't beat somebody one-on-one and was forced to actually pass the ball, which she did, those were the glaring opportunities that went missing too. Yeah, It was still all because of her creation. And so you you and I have gone back and forth about, at some point you just got to say, we're going to try and stop her because and dare somebody else to beat you because hmm. nobody was capable of doing it in this game. Didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to add into that part. Not especially. Not especially. I think it's... It's she's spectacular. It will always be an issue I have with Iowa. It will always it will always be an issue, and it'll like if they win the national championship, great. But I, I you won't see me picking them to do it because they're going to run into somebody who's who can put together a performance like Ohio State did today, where Caitlin was forty five on fifty percent shooting, basically. Right. That's right. what she did today. <laughs> right. What happens if she shoots forty two percent? Right. She went 45 on 50% shooting and they didn't win this game. And that, and this is an Ohio state team. That's 18th in the country, not third. Now granted 15 and three, six and one, obviously a very, very good basketball team, but in theory, there are, there's a, there's another level that other teams are at that. I was probably going to have to beat one of those teams once we get to the tournament. And, and, I I will wait to see them win six in a row against the other best teams in the country before I pick them to win the national championship. From a Big Ten title race standpoint, also massive implications here is now you've got a three-way tie from the three teams that mm-hmm. seem to be the class of the conference. And so looking forward, Iowa gets a rematch against Ohio State, regular season finale. Mm-hmm. Potentially Caitlin Clark's last game inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. That'll be something if that ends up being for a Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. There's also a return game to Bloomington on February 22nd. So you do have two matchups here that if Iowa wins both of them, Iowa's going to win the conference. But you might, we're going to have to wait late in the season too, because there's every chance that these three teams basically take care of business against everybody else. And mm-hmm. it's going to come down to head to heads. And so far, obviously, Iowa's got a win over Indiana. Iowa lost to Ohio State. They're going to get to play both teams again. So this is at least setting up for an intriguing Big Ten title race that 24 hours ago looked like it might not be that intriguing if Iowa had come away from Columbus with a win. 
Indeed. Anything else from the weekend? Yeah, on a typical, I guess, day, but even probably a typical weekend, we would talk about the fact that Colorado played both USC and UCLA, two top 10 opponents in the span of 48 hours, or mm-hmm. the fact that Creighton and Seton Hall went to triple overtime and Creighton nearly blew it a couple times but found a way to win. But there were too many other things to happen, so wanted to at least acknowledge those. We'll talk about some of that when we get to our poll reactions on Monday. Indeed. That'll do it. We'll talk about polls tomorrow and whatever else we can get into on a Monday that I'm guessing is relatively light. Cincinnati and Kansas. That's a good one. That's a, that's an interesting one. Wes Miller has a good team um, in Cincinnati this year. So we will get to get into tomorrow until then. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you tomorrow afternoon. That's the under eight podcast for Sunday, January 24th is two 30 46 PM. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. And we will see you tomorrow.